Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. All right, so what do you think the number one thing somebody does the minute after they get a huge raise at work? Um, I don't know, like like a like a normal person, like like one of us. Yeah, anybody. What would you do? You get a raise at work. Like, what's the first thing you do? Definitely going like, out for dinner yeah. to celebrate drinks, or, or, maybe. Or the average or, person might might slack off a little bit. Oh, you mean like performance wise? Performance wise. Okay. Yes, well, yes. yeah. I mean, naturally. You see where I'm going with this? Because I think so. I don't know. I don't know if you know this guy, but he might be one of your favorite players in the league. Was on pace for about 120 points. His breakout year had a great year last year. Signs an eight-year, $11.5 million contract, the biggest contract in Leafs history in terms of total value. And in his last six games, he's got no goals and two assists. And all, both those assists came last game. Last game. Yeah. I mean, I wish, like, I love Willie, but I'm not terribly shocked either. Just That's just what happens. Yeah. I mean, we even talked about this before he was signed. Every single player goes off in a contract here. And, you know, it's way too early to say now that the the contract has been signed, he's going to settle down. But to be fair, the whole team has been really bad except Austin Matthews. So, yeah, they've all been bad. But, like, I just wonder, even if it's not even like a conscious he's taking nights off kind of thing. There has to just be something in his head where it's like he was objective. Like obviously, he was just playing extra hard to get that contract. Mm-hmm. And there's no way he can be putting in that same level of effort now that he's gotten in. Like, I wonder if there's also a little bit of added pressure here where before him making $6.9 million at um, whatever, how long that contract was, he probably in his head goes, I'm only expected at this value to put up 80 points. So if I put up 90 to 100, I look great. Now that he's making an 11 and a half, what he was doing before is now expected. Uh, I wonder if that plays into it. He doesn't seem like the type of guy to let the pressure of that get to him. At least he hasn't shown that in the past. But yeah, I'm sure there are like, like things aren't the same. Like it's it's hard to just go honest as if things haven't changed, mm-hmm. um, which would have been ideal because he was yeah scoring at a 120 point pace. But it's just it's just not reality. I, th- I don't think he's gonna be two points every six games for the rest of this season. I just think something that it just probably takes I don't know a handful of games, hopefully. Um, to just sort of like readjust and feel comfortable again. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I guess now he I probably hope. he has to look at himself as you know a top seven or eight paid player in the NHL. Actually, he's, he's more. Top, he's second highest paid that. winger. Yeah, so I mean, there's some added pressure there. But the one thing we don't want to do as uh, if we want to include ourselves in Leafs media is to overreact to things that happen on such a short term basis. So let's no. talk about the contract it, in general. Well, yeah. What did you think of it? I mean, you you said it like w- Willie is. He's been my favorite player on the Leafs since he was drafted. Like for whatever reason, of all those youngsters, like he was the guy that I liked the most. Um, I'm really happy he's staying, but I, part of me hates the contract. Okay, why? Because I I don't know. I just feel like to get paid more than David Pasternak and yeah. to get 11.5 after the Leafs were were not even willing to sign him to 10 in the off season. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that the Leafs let their opinion of a player change by almost two million in 40 games. And the fact that they let him walk all over them in a contract negotiation is just typical Leafs. And it just, I don't know, it makes me just feel even more apathetic. not the right word, but it's like, of course. Like, of course that happened. Of course the Leafs don't get a break. Of course the Leafs can give you 60, 
60 to 70 million dollars in bonuses in like <laughs> your first five years of that contract and they still can't get a discount on the AAV. Like all of those little things that like really bother me as a Leafs fan because we've never, ever, ever gotten not even a discount, just like a little bit of a concession on any negotiation. They've been getting fleeced every single time they've gone to a negotiation and it just sucks because now, you know, we have guys who shouldn't be playing in the NHL potentially on our on our decor and, you know, fringe fringe NHL players filling up our third and fourth lines at this point and we have one playing on our first line next to our two best players Mm -hmm. because there's just no cap to go around and I know the cap hasn't gone up in five years and that's nobody's fault but every other team seems to have depth to a a better degree than the Leafs do and that's obviously because they get fleece in contract negotiations yeah I think the biggest thing here is that he makes more than Pasternak like you cannot make more than a guy who puts up 110 to 120 points a year and is a lock to score over 50 a threat to score over 60 every single year and you know a lot of people might say you know Pasternak signed that contract last year and we didn't know the cap was going up I'm pretty sure everybody in the post-COVID era was going up knew it was going up so that's not fair you cannot as Brad Trey living walk into this walk out of the negotiation with um, William Nylander making more than David Pasternak that's a complete loss in my opinion Pasternak hasn't beaten goals per game total goals total points and does this on a team on on a line I'm sorry with nobody he's not even playing with Brad Marchand he puts this team on his back and he's the reason yeah. why a Boston Bruins team that is on paper should be fighting for a wild card spot is leading the Atlantic well, yeah he Pasternak is he's a tier he's a f- like William Nylander is an incredibly good player but yeah Pasternak's just a tier above him yeah he's in the, the best tier in the league probably yeah and he's been doing this his entire career. Like this, I don't want it to get like I guess like I think we both love Willie. Yeah. But and we're just talking about the contract. It's it's not good. No. Like Willie's a great player, and we love to have him around. But the contract itself, I don't think either of us are huge fans of. No, it's bad. Like usually on a contract, the the five big things on a contract. I might miss one here. Are term, AV bonuses like delayed payments to prevent buyouts and no trade clauses typically with a star you'll lose on most of those because he has leverage and you want him to stay but like with every single star i can think of the team has at least won on one of those things you look at the passion act they clearly won on av you look at the mckinnon one they clearly won on av even the mccarr one they won on oh, AV. big time right you look at the william nylander one the toronto maple Leafs did not win on a single portion of that deal we gave him eight years we gave him an incredibly inflated av we're paying him almost fully in signing bonuses this contract is incredibly backdated to prevent a buyout later on in his career if he was bad which i don't think it will be but we lost there too and he has a full team no trade clause i'm pretty sure for most of this contract it yeah. just it just seems like when you think of this brad trey living must be the worst negotiator mm. as a gm in nhl history and i don't want to speak in superlatives but you look at his last four deals he signed jonathan huberto to 10.5 nazem kadri to 7 austin matthews to 13.25 and willie to 11.5 yeah i honestly i i agree that most like the, the flames contracts in particular i mean i know kadri's been playing quite well recently but luckily overall it's probably not the great great contract we know hubert is a terrible contract awful i think matthews if you're gonna lose to anybody on the leafs you lose to him you give yes. him what he wants i am honestly very reluctant to blame tree living for this because there's been one dude that has been around this entire time it's Brendan Shanahan. He's been there and he's been getting fleeced on every single... He, he's been at the negotiating table too. Mm-hmm. And we know for a fact that any move that Kyle Dubas wanted to make had to get approved by Brendan Shanahan. Do you think Tree Living is coming in with any more autonomy than Dubas had? Like, absolutely not. I think... Shan- yes, the GM owns and wears the deals, but I think 
now that China has been around for what almost almost ten years, I think seven or eight years, um, they haven't won a contract negotiation. He's been at the table for all of those, so I think he deserves just as much, and I think more blame in this case because Trilliman comes into a situation where he's got honestly a mess to deal with, mm-hmm. and you know. What's I think he, he did do in less than a year. I think he did a pretty good job. All, all said and done, yeah. he ticked off the boxes. He got some big free agents to sign here on relatively okay deals. He locked up Matthews and Nylander. The Matthews deal, I love. I love it just because he's a Leaf. But yes. the, this Nylander deal could not happen this way. I would almost consider rather losing William Nylander at the trade deadline than signing him to eight by eleven and a half because it puts this team in a predicament. Like first of all, the no cap flexibility, like you talked about. Number two, the fact that. Five of our guys take up 50% of the cap. There's some there, there's some conversation to be had here with respect to that. Like The Leafs are in a good position where you have four or five guys who are generational and should be paid good money. But the issue, like, the issue is, is if you're Brad Trey Living and you have these five guys that deserve to make that type of money and have all the leverage in these contract negotiations, do you let one of them walk or do you just give them all each the money that you know they maximally deserve? Like That's the issue. I don't know what the right answer is, but clearly they've picked the one that they've picked. They've picked, let's just try and keep them all and have, you know, mid players around the edges. <laughs> it's it's even true. Like with every other team, there's one or two big stars on these teams that get deals like this mm-hmm. because they have all the leverage and they're going into free agency. And as a GM, you go, I would rather overpay this guy than lose him because first of all, our team is objectively worse without him. And number two, I'll probably get fired if I don't sign back like a Makar or McKinnon. The only issue is that Every other team only has one or two of these types of guys. And the Leafs have been, you know, it's a double-edged sword here. You can say they've been blessed with four or five guys that are top 20 players in yeah. the league. And, but then you also go, that means you got to give 50% of your cap in five guys. Yeah, it's, t- it's, it's, it's tough. Like, it, I think the, it, I mean, the Leafs got screwed by COVID more than any other team. Like, sure. We've said it a bunch. Everyone's said it a bunch. Mm-hmm. I guess when it comes down to it, another way to look at it, and I and I heard someone else say this, in I guess in defense of the Nylander contract, if you want to try and, and look at positives, it's in today's NHL, do you think you could get a five and a six million dollar player that will be more valuable combined than Nylander is on his own? Probably not. That's why I don't That's, hate the deal. I think yeah, the deal I think in a vacuum, the deal's not great and we're reacting as if it's the worst thing ever. But this this contract was not negotiated in a vacuum. I no. think in the context of all the other deals, I think Leafs fans, us included, have a a right to have a bit of a gripe with how the negotiations always go south. Like when when you you sent me, I think it was an Instagram uh, post, and someone was saying, "Yeah, Willie's gonna get eleven point five. Like I, I actually like was like, "There's just no way." I responded, "Like there's no way they give that to him because that's just an, an inc- that that's just incredibly over like inflated value." Mm-hmm. And then in the days following, the like, Freed. Friedman and Friedman, Friedman and Chris Johnston were saying, yeah, like it's going to be north of 11, probably like between 11 and 11 and a half. And I was like, you, there's no way. Yeah. And then it just happened. Like he got hot 40 games and walked all over them. It's as simple as that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there are a lot of contextual factors to this deal, like you said. If you're a team like Arizona or someone without three or four bona fide superstars and William Nylander, a guy who has been steadily increasing throughout his career in his rookie campaign, put up like 65, then puts up 70, then he's 82, last year puts up like 93, and then now is on pace for 120, you're probably very much willing to pay this guy this money because it's not like a Goudreau-type year where you know he's been like 
85, 90 points, and then in his contract year puts up 120, William Nylander's like his trajectory has been steadily rising. You're a little more confident in giving him eight by 11 and, and a half. And he's younger. Right, and he's younger. I don't. That's why I don't hate the deal. The issue is the Leafs already have so much money committed to the area that they don't need to get better at. The Leafs, if you look at them, and we'll talk about it soon on their depth chart, don't have, in my opinion, a Botify number one Stanley Cup winning defenseman. They have a great number two in Morgan Riley or like a 1B. And then after that, it falls off to a bunch of five and sixes. They're all bad now. And in goaltend and in net, they suck. So the issue is, is you're, the contextual part here is you're giving a lot of money to a guy that you're probably seeing as ceiling. And he plays a position that you don't really need as much because you're great there. And now you have no ability to go out and improve your team in areas that have like historically been critical in winning Stanley Cups. And if that's the ultimate goal, that's the ultimate goal. But the issue is, is the alternative is you lose this guy and yeah. Trey Living is ridiculed more than he is now. It's 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 a lose-lose situation yeah. for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was lose-lose. I'm, I'm, I'm personally a little higher on their goaltending than you are, but I agree that their defense falls off a cliff. Bad. I just think, yeah, they, they were lose lose. If you if you walk like, like the problem is, yes, there's their first their first two lines are stacked. Yeah. But if you were to lose him either for free or in a trade, I think they'd have a big hole on their second line because we sure. know Tavares is declining, and then next year he like following next year he may or may not come back, and if he does come back, back. he's probably not going to be a second line center in terms of his quality. So if they were to lose essentially a second line center and a second line winger in the span of two years, like there there goes any of their forward depth. So I think they ultimately had to keep him. Mm-hmm. I was just hoping that they'd push a little harder to get a number that starts with a ten. No, I, or I, even I eleven flat, let's say. Like I think eleven flat or ten seven five would have been fair for both sides. I think that would have been a win for the Leafs, honestly. Yeah, I think ten was the lowest you could have got for him. And if I was his agent, if I was Willie, I would have rejected that. I think eleven and a half was his absolute ceiling, and you gave him Everything. All the value you could have. Like, is this an overpayment right now? Probably not, because like I said, he's on pace for 50 and 120. And if the cap's going up and you expect yeah. him to like settle off at 99, 100, you'd be okay with that over this term. Mm-hmm. The issue is that like, if we look at the past predicting the future, this guy's going to fall off to an 85 to 90-ish point player for his career. And then this contract looks awful. Yeah, I mean, it might look... I think with the cap going up, this contract in a vacuum isn't going to be terrible. But another thing that I think they did to themselves here with this contract is that they actually like all these players are in their prime, but they've almost moved their window down two years because yeah. now you have to get through next year where the cap's gone up, what, four million and all of that's been absorbed by this Willie totally, deal. Yeah. Then Matthew's getting a two million dollar raise ish, one and a half million, let's say. And Tavares is still there at 11. Like you got to pay they, Mitch. Yeah. All. Yeah. All of the all of the cap increase and more is already taken up by players that you have. And now when the cap goes up and you have to fill out the rest of your team with free agents, all the free agent prices are going to go up because everyone else has more money to play with. Yeah. And so I think if we're already low on this team this season, and 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 I we both kind of are to a degree. It's the lowest I've ever been on the Leafs, yeah. They're going to be worse next year just by the virtue of they can't add when other teams can. And they have a bunch of guys who are expiring. TJ Brody's expiring. Um Tyler Bertuzzi is expiring. Max Domi is expiring. Matthew Nice is going to need a contract in like a, in, in, in a year or two. Like they're going to be holes that they have to fill, and they just don't have the cap to fill it with. Yeah, no, no, I I agree, and I think that the simple solution to this is that Jonathan Tavares next year is going to have to take a heavy pay cut, and not if next he, year, like sorry, the year after, the year but after, you, yeah. and if he doesn't, he's going to walk. Like I I I think that 
unfortunately, I don't want to say John Tavares gets the short end of the stick here because he's gotten yeah, two huge contracts. Um, and he'll be, what, 34-ish by the time this yeah, is maybe. done? Yeah. It's just you, you'd have to go in there and say, look, you've been a great captain for us. We gave you 11 by 8. At this point, you're taking 3 by 3 or 3 by 4 or you're and, and you're giving the seat to Austin or you're not going to be a Leaf next year. And it's It sucks, but that's like the yeah. only way that this is going to work. And if you look at the, the Tavares contract over the 11 by eight, it's been nothing but a success. Like you gave that guy, first of all, he's been the reason why so many free agents have come here. The Leafs had a huge problem signing free agents. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy. If you told me that over his eight year term, he was going to be fantastic in six of the eight years, on average, put up 80 to 85 points a season, score 47 goals in his first year, you know, be a pretty much a lock for 30, 35 every single year, you would have taken this. Yeah. Um, and it it just gets to the point now where you have to say at this point you need to take a pay cut or you're not going to be a Leaf in two years. Yeah, he he, you we have the Leafs have gotten exactly what they paid for. Like I think he is put he was a point nine eight points per game player in his entirety there and or his last few years I think in the in the in the, on the island. Oh my god, um, and he's been like a point nine eight point per game player here. Like whatever they paid for is what they got. Like it's. Is he like I think the argument is if he's worth eleven, whatever, but they've got the exact same player. He yeah. hasn't gotten any worse. Yeah, I mean he's not worth eleven anymore, but you know with every single deal that you sign, you pay a guy a lot of money to have him and you, you sacrifice the last two to three years of the deal. And if the especially, last yeah. two years he's not great, but he's not awful, you consider that a win. That's a especially for especially for UFAs. Yeah, for, for real for UFAs. And I think that's the reason why this Willie deal isn't awful because he's gonna be what, thirty three ish, thirty no, thirty five. Yeah, he'll be like the the very back end of his prime, but it's still like you'll still be productive. You bought you bought his entire prime, which is mm-hmm. why this deal isn't as bad. It just it puts this team in a tight spot. And I mean, we we talked about their depth chart being bad. I think this is a good segue into the next part of the section. Is are the Leafs a playoff team this year? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Doesn't look great right now. We're we're right. also again we're recording on Saturday. We're gonna talk about. The Leafs being a playoff team, we're going to talk about Keefe as well. There's a very low percentage he gets fired by the time this releases Monday, but if it does, take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they're still a playoff team because I don't think, I don't think Detroit keeps a division spot. I think the Lightning who are on a bit of a heater right now. If they take a division spot, I think the Leafs still end up in the wild card at worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they're anything close to a real contender. Um, no, I think the fact that they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot is all that needs to be said when this team was comfortably a division team for the past three to four years. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they are no longer comfortably in the two or three seat in the Atlantic says it's basically everything you need to it's know about where they're at. Yeah. Like they should be uh, with Tampa being as like mid as they have been so far. And with Detroit being pretty mid too. like the Leafs of last year would be comfortably in the two or the three seat. And, and they're, they're just nowhere close to that right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I know like when we were talking about contenders or pretenders, you said they were a pretender, and I was like, oh, I think they're kind of a contender just because of how like how skilled they are. Um, I think that was me trying to be optimistic because even ever since like you know at the beginning of the season when they were just they were never winning in regulation, and it just seems like they they just couldn't win games the way they needed to be able to win games. Like that for me was the first big red flag that I saw for this team, and since then they. They've been winning more games in regulation, but I think some of those flaws still persist, like I mean, quite obviously. So, like the last four games prior to barely beating Calgary, 
they blew multi-goal leads in, in like basically all four of those games and most of them were third period leads like they like they just they don't have what it takes i think to close games out and you can talk about that being a personnel issue because their decor is is really just not bad playoff quality stanley cup quality i think it's more than that like i just don't think they have the level of fight in them that you need to mm-hmm. have no i i agree when you came when you came into this year and you're looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning without Vasilevsky for three to four months. You're looking at the Boston Bruins with an aging Brad Marchand with losing Taylor Hall and uh, Bertuzzi, losing a lot of depth. You're going into this season also thinking that the Florida Panthers are going to take a step back because they caught well, lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You're thinking this team wins the Atlantic or this season's probably not a success. Now you're later on into the year going, this team making the divisional round may sorry being a division team going into the playoffs would is, is almost out of reach the season has been the biggest failure in the matthews era it's not and this team looks a lot different than we've seen in the past this is a toronto maple leafs team that has been ridiculed but at the end of the day there's like a lot of stats suggesting that teams in the past for the leafs that go into the third period with a lead we're like one of the best teams in they the league were, at closing out here. right yeah. and now this team with being up to nothing all of us are looking at it going they're probably going to lose this game. And you said it right. Like over the last four games, they've blown four multi-goal leads. Playoff caliber teams, contending caliber teams are great in net, are great defensively, and they are phenomenal at shutting down teams with a lead. Remember when we played the Tampa Bay Lightning that year, they made the cup final for the mm-hmm. third time in a row. We all had that joke where when the Leafs went down into the third period against them, Tampa would do a phenomenal job controlling the neutral zone, keeping you to the outside. You wouldn't see a single high danger shot in the third period when they had a lead. Yeah, they, it look it looks like the Leafs are the complete opposite of that. Yeah, and they're they're just not like you can see it. Even a guy who doesn't watch hockey religiously looks at this team and can say this team is not a team that's going to win because it's. I don't even know what else to say. Sheldon Keefe said it perfectly too when he said you look at like the McCarr and the McKinnon and the Ranton in Colorado Avalanche. They're like a level above the NHL. It looks like the Leafs are not only at not NHL level, contending level, they're a step below that. Yeah, they, they are. And I think that was Keefe's way of, of throwing shade at his team too because they have the players who should be able to keep up with McKinnon, Makar, Rantanen, but they just they weren't. Like After they took a 3 nothing lead, the, the rest of that game was just... It, it was like some of the most terrible hockey that we've seen this team play. I even texted um, you saying, we're going to lose this game. Yeah, and yeah, and, and it, it's not even shocking no. that, they, that they were going to lose that game. Um, uh, I I think roster construction is a problem because I like I said already three times they're they're like the names on their defense are not good enough. Bad. But I even think about it when I was like the Oilers are on his twelve game heater. We're gonna talk about them later. But this team that's not known to to be to be a shutdown team, like, but they they have this sort of newfound grit. Like on on the the game winning goal when Ryan McLeod scored. Um, Connor McDavid literally sucker punches Riley in, in the face, <laughs> crashes the net, takes Matthews with him. Benoit and Riley both end up on in the corner, in the opposite corner, and then McLeod scores. Throughout that game, Bouchard was like abusing Matthew Nyes, yeah. and guys like John Tavares, William Nylander, McCabe, Riley, who were on the ice at the same time, just let the rookie, who's been the toughest player on this team, and I won't listen to any opinion other than that, that he's been the guy who's battled the most, forechecked the hardest by far. Mm-hmm. You let, you're letting... Bouchard, who is honestly a baby, like he's 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 not tough. He's not he's just a guy who puts up points. He's very good at that, but he's not tough. You can't even sign up to him. What if it was a a Steven Stamkos or a Brad Marchand or David Pasternak who are, who are elite players who are actually tough? 
You're telling me they're not going to they're going to be able to stand up to them in the playoffs or to a Matthew Kachuk or to a Sam Reinhart or to a uh, Carter Verhager or Nick Cousins. Like if they make the division, they're going to be playing Florida. If they can't stand up to Evan Bouchard and the Oilers, you think they're going to stand up to the to the Florida Panthers? No. 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 That's my biggest problem with this team. And there have been people saying, "Oh, you know, they actually they actually they actually stand up for each other now a little bit." Like in my opinion, that couldn't be further from the truth. Domi and Bertuzzi, who were brought in for grit, have been pedestrian. Yep. Bertuzzi can't score a goal for his life, and Domi hasn't hit somebody or gotten into a fight or been a prick since like the third game of the season. I don't know what's going on with this team. No, nothing, they suck the identity out of anybody that they get. Literally nothing is new here, though. The biggest problem with the Leafs is that they're just not a playoff team because they're not strong enough, you know? And everyone who says the NHL is changing, yeah, regular season teams can be smaller and more skilled, but the Leafs are the prototypical example of when you get into the playoffs, you can't compete because you're not strong. You're not tough enough. The playoffs is very much still a big man's game. And just unfortunately, the Leafs are not that team. Like the reason we got Domi and we got Bertuzzi and we got McCabe was to change that. And it looks like even with these players, yeah, it's, nothing has changed. And I think that's because the core guys, yeah, the top don't, guys, don't wear that identity on their sleeve. Like they're true. just, they're just not. You never see Austin yeah. Matthews laying out a guy, and he should, he should, and he does at times. But like McDavid is suckering a guy and getting to the net in the forty-second game of the season on an eleven-game winning streak. Same with McKinnon. He's a same with McKinnon. He's an, an animal. animal. Sidney Crosby's an animal. Fetchkin's an like, animal. Like yes, yesterday's game when the Oilers played the Kraken. Um, Yanni Gore, like, really, like, a, ba- a bad hit on Ekholm. Who was the first guy to jump him? It's McDavid. Yeah. Like, it, it's really easy for guys like Bouchard, for guys like McLeod, for guys like Fogel, and well, even Hyman, to be gritty and to be tough when the best player in the world is being tough and being gritty and standing up for his guys. Yeah, I I, I agree. And then to, to um, what's what I'm looking for? To summarize all this in one sentence is the Leafs are our first round exit. If if they're lucky enough to get to the playoffs, yeah, agree, we were a first round exit in, as a divisional team. Now we're going to have to go up against. I'm sorry, I I laughed at you when you told me Florida was going to be a playoff team again this year, and now I am convinced that the Leafs play Florida, yeah. not having home ice advantage, we're done in six. Like it's not. We're going to get hammered. It's this is the lowest I've been on a Leafs team in the Matthews era in a very very long time. And I think this leads very well into the next part. This is a very Leafs-heavy segment, but we're going to move on from the Leafs. Is, um, you said it. There's a lot of rumors that the Leafs aren't going to be aggressive at the deadline. And I completely agree because this team is yeah. unfixable. It's not, Yeah, you, you can't. You're not changing this team. This team is what they are. I think if Trilliven goes out and gets like another, another heavy defenseman, maybe. I don't even think you can need a forward, really. No. Um, I think the only thing that you can really do in terms of like being reasonable at the deadline is going out to get some form of a defenseman. I wouldn't break the bank for one because I don't think they're gonna. It's gonna help this team. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be giving up firsts or prospects because this this feels like a lost season. I know it's early. Things can change by March eighth. I'm not. Te- I'm not terribly convinced that it will. But what's your opinion on if they should trade for for anything? Not even because it's a lost season. Like, look, this team is constructed in a way where if they go on a heater, they can win yeah. a Stanley Cup. Like, they can. They are they are skilled enough to win a cup if they're playing at the top of their game. Yeah. And we've seen, like, the Leafs, even in the last two, three years, we have awful Octobers, phenomenal Decembers. Like, if you catch this team on a hot streak, they can do it. I think the reason why we shouldn't be aggressive at the deadline is for what you said as well. You physically can't break the bank on a number one defenseman because we don't have the space. And that means that if you don't break the bank and go out and get a defenseman, you're just going to get another um, four, three defenseman caliber, like like a Zadarov or like a McCabe. And the Leafs have 
too many of they those. Need a, they, they need a guy who will push others down. There, there, there are too many holes to fill on this team, and filling one isn't going to change the team's trajectory. We yeah. need we need a number one D. I love Morgan Riley, but is he a number one stud D on a cup-winning team? He's He's been unbelievable this season. The yeah. problem is he can't do it alone. I, he needs someone else who can help him carry the load. For sure. He's a phenomenal yeah. 1B. Like, yeah, phenomenal. Sure. We have two number threes. Right, two number three defensemen. McCabe, McCabe is a good number three. Brody's been, he's been cheeks this season. But like, Brody, at his best at this point in his career, is a good number three. That's at that, his best, that's, and he's not near his best right now. So we can agree, we need a stud number one, we need a number two, probably a number three, and a goalie. At the deadline, eh. you can at best at best get a number three, and th- that's just not going to be good enough. If I'm Brad Trey Living, I'm probably going, you know, just pray to the hockey gods that this team goes on a heater at the right time, yeah. and don't do anything at the deadline. Well, if if we want to be like, I know we're gonna wrap up this this Leafs talk soon. It's been a pretty depressing segment, and I think like for for valid reasons. But if we want to have a sliver of optimism, I think oftentimes the the teams that go all in and go like heavy heavy at the deadline like end up fizzling out in pretty like embarrassing fashion. Think about the 2017 Capitals um, when they got like Shattenkirk and a bunch of guys that they didn't make it. They won the cup the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers two years ago they spent first on Giroux and Sherratt. They they got swept by Tampa I think in the second round, and then next the next year they went on to the Cup Finals. Um, the Bruins last year they went all out after having a great regular season and they lost. They choked. I think the only you know maybe silver lining is that you know Tree Living maybe challenges this team. It's like no, you guys aren't wor- you guys aren't worth a marquee trade that you guys have to deal with it yourselves. And maybe the one year where they don't go out, because Dubas did go out last year and make a bunch of trades. Every year he's done it, yeah. And maybe now it's like, no, like the onus is on you guys. And sure. and maybe and maybe if you want to believe in some sort of like cocky god of some, I don't know, this is the year when they don't go all out and they put the onus on the core guys. Maybe this is the year that they can, when no one's expecting them to, they catch lightning in a bottle and they do it. Again, that's not based on anything other than wishful thinking, but yeah. it could be the only silver lining to take from from the situation right now. This team is just gonna get bullied in the playoffs. So it's gonna I be agree. it's gonna be bully ball. It's it's gonna take it's gonna take a Mitch Marner not being a baby when someone Matthews gets cross checked and like just slash a guy, just like sucker a guy. I don't even need you to fight. I just need you to show that you care when you play when your other te- when your teammate gets hurt. Yeah, it's not it's not only that, it's just this team doesn't have the ability to wear teams down. Like over six, seven game series, even as you go deeper and deeper yeah. into the playoffs, it's the teams that are rugged and like don't get worn down that win. The Leafs do not have an ability to wear a Boston Bruin team down team down over seven games. They're just oh, not agree. strong enough. They don't play physical enough. They don't win enough battles. Like these are all very cliche things that you say as a as a hockey analyst, but like it, there is something to be said about you just keep pounding a team in corners, and if you lose games marginally, there comes a point where the tides turn and the team gets worn down. The Leafs don't do that. Matthews is a phenomenal stick checker. He's laid probably two hits this year. Every single every single player yeah. on the on the Leafs is like that, and just I have no confidence. I think I think your point is like probably the better point in terms of like how to win hockey games, but I think you can foster a little bit of that culture by like also being a little tougher off the puck and like when things like that happen yeah like i've never seen willie go into a scrum and like take a guy out but pasternak does that mckinnon does that rantanen does that and you never drop does that you never will just... i know that's what I, that's what i mean like it, it will take something like that like a switch in the minds of those players for the rest for, for them to play that way and then for the rest of the team to play the way that they're supposed to play 
Like I bet you, if Matthews rocks somebody or steps up for somebody, you don't think you don't think Domi and Bertuzzi are going to be fired up and feel like sure. oh, these guys are doing it now. I can actually do it for sure. If if you're um, relying on Benoit and Mark Giordano and Jake McCabe yeah. to be the bruisers on this team, you're going to play five playoff yeah. games. And like we love Mark, but he's looked. He's looked 40. Let's, He's let's taking steps back. He's yeah. 40 years old. Like, that's what he is. And for Mark Giordano to be the third best defenseman on your team right now... He's bad. Is, ...is, like, is ridiculous. And this team is very, very much away from being a contending team. But we're, we're belaboring this point now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Is there anything else you want to talk about with respect to Sheldon Keefe? I guess... We uh, I mean, I think if they, like... I think the Calgary went bottom time. But I think if they're... If they get slaughtered by the Canucks, Kraken, and the two Jets games, like there's a real chance he gets fired. Yeah, I um, I agree. I thought if he lost to Calgary, it was done. I think Austin Matthews single-handedly saved his literally. tenure as a coach in the NHL. Um, the Leafs are in like early Oilers territory right now, where if we keep losing, we're going to throw this season away. Because if you're a wild card team, you're not going far in the Atlantic Division. Mm-mm. So I think if he goes, if he loses the next three games in a row, like you said, or if he goes. 500 over the next eight and we're still in that second wild card spot i think you'll see a new coach who would um, you hire though that's the, that's the question yeah nobody but um when we talked about the oilers as well there, there was also nobody to hire i just think changing something ignites some form of a spark and if it does yeah. something even worse you're gonna have an interim coach in there and then you just find a coach in the off season. but like what really changed with the oilers between and before and after woodcroft I think that well, we can we can save that discussion, but they've just become a much more solid team. Whether that's coaching or whether that's just player mindset, yeah. I don't know. I don't f- watch them enough to know. It's but it's safe to say that it it helped. Yeah, it's not it's not coaching at all. It's you fire a guy. There's a sense of urgency here. It wakes people up. You go, whoa, this is real. Maybe a, a new coach in that dressing room. You win one or two games. You have some newfound maybe false confidence, and you take that with you. The Oilers are very much like the Leafs, where they are good enough to win. It's just when they get in a hole, they get in a hole and. The easiest yeah. guy to fire is the coach, and I, I've loved Sheldon Keefe. I think I think it might be time to let him go because you, yeah. you you cannot you cannot not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, if they don't make the playoffs, he's toast. I think if they lose in the first round again, he's toast. I think unless they go on a run, this is going to be his last season, which is yeah. hilarious because they signed him to a two-year extension at the beginning of the season for, has, for God knows why. Has there been any coach in the last like seven or eight coaches for the Leafs that have gone the the length of their extension? I don't know. I mean, Keefe is one of the most tenured coaches in the league right, right now. He he would have, I guess, ended his contract before they extended him, but not many. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, and I think the way that Brad Trey Living is, we talked about this a bit off air. You can see by the signings he's made with like Doom, Doomy, Domi and Bertuzzi and, and bringing in Benoit. Like he likes tough big boys. I think Gerard Gallant would be a, a, a good fit in Trey Living's eyes. I don't think it'd be a good fit here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gerard Gallant yeah. is the next coach on this team. He, in fairness to him, he hasn't had a ton of playoff success, and his tenures, for whatever reason, seem to be very short-lived. But he does seem to get like good responses out of the teams that he takes over. Like he got that Vegas team, like what were they called, the Misfits or whatever. He got them to like really rise to the occasion. He turned like the he he had Florida playing really good when Florida wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So fair, you know. I, I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world, but the fact that we're even talking about this, where like you said, there was a clear path to winning the Atlantic, is. It, it's just kind of embarrassing for the Leafs as an organization. Um, I think we end the Leafs talk there. I mean, we're kind of like talking ourselves in circles now. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll be golfing in April. Probably, the unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. We're going to take a brief minute to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Crane Apparel. 
Brought to life in 2016, Crane Apparel is a local Toronto clothing brand which aims to represent long life, good fortune, love, and luck through all of their premium pieces. Built upon their mission of instilling honorable virtues and creating a positive culture, Crane Apparel's simple yet high-quality clothing ensure that you feel both confident and fly while sporting their apparel. From graphic tees, track suits, and handcrafted varsity jackets to trucker hats and high-quality chains, Crane Apparel has everything to support your fashion needs. To get your merch and stay up to date with new drops, check out Crane Apparel on Instagram or visit their website at thecraneapparel.com. Inspire, motivate, create. Stay fly and join the Crane family today. There's another team, funnily enough, where like if if the Leafs were the LA Kings or the LA Kings were the Leafs, like the Kings are in a worse spot than the Leafs are right now. Um, they're like one five and four in their last ten with an eight game losing streak in there. They're now in a wild card spot where at one point they were fourteen points ahead of the Oilers. Now they're like a couple points behind them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've had a fall from grace. I mean, I think there's a couple of factors that go into that, but like, what what is your opinion on this team? I think the Kings had an inflated record to start the year because yeah. they were so good on the road. They had that insane streak of like what they won their first 14 games on the something road like or that. something yeah. like that. Like, look, there's no other way to put this. The Knights, the Oilers, and the Canucks are all better than them on paper and playing wise right now. With Calgary waking up, this team's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. They're good on paper. I don't think they're good enough to to make a Western Conference Finals, let alone win a Stanley Cup. There's no superstar on that team that mm-hmm. I can conceivably think can like single-handedly win you a game. They have a like a bunch of good first-line players, like a yeah. bunch of like William Nylander-type guys. that Even you, worse than Willie, to be yeah, honest. Like I, I agree. Below. Like the guys like Kopitar, like Kempe, like Fiala, that you know, you'd, you'd love to be... You'd love to have as the third best guy mm-hmm. on a first line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's no like bonafide... Like, and there's only... 10 of these in the NHL, but those 10 teams are the ones that win cups. There's no real superstar on that team. And their goaltending yeah, no, sucks too. Perfect. Well, yeah, perfectly <laughs> said. Like Cam Talbot was standing on his head in his last seven games. He has an 887. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, he was never going to be a 9, 9-10 plus goalie like he was. But I mean, now, now like he's fallen off while the rest of their team has also fallen off at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean... Their depth also just isn't great. I mean, like you, you traded some of your depth to get Pierre Luc Dubois, so who you funny. thought was gonna, you know, contribute to that group of like five or six first or second line players and have a really deep top six, um, but that backfired because you lost depth, and then he was supposed to be depth, and he's not. Like they, they just they got worse on aggregate, and I don't understand why they thought PLD was gonna be anything more than he ever was. Yeah, on I don't a, know on a team like the Winnipeg Jets, which had a lot of good mm-hmm. scoring options, and he was playing second line minutes on that team. If he's a career sixty three point player, why would you expect him to be anything different on this team? And then you I walk agree. away from Gabe Velarde, who was almost a point a game last year, gave up a second, and then gave up a guy like Rasmus Kumpari, who had a lot of positive upside. Only for PLD to be beaten out by Quinton Byfield on your depth chart is yeah. embarrassing. He's, he's their third line center now, and, and he's, he's, and he he's sucks. garbage. Yeah, he, he sucks. If they weren't paying him eight by eight, he would not sniff that first line power play. It's true. Yeah, eight by eight. They gave him eight by eight, which is crazy for a player who was never even close to a point a game. Like, yeah, I think he. Like I've said it before, but he's just one of those like tall Canadian centers who has this like you know, reputation or this narrative about being his beast two-way sentiment, which he's just never been. Sucks. He sucks. And on again, not to be like super dramatic, but beyond, besides the 
Huberto and Uyghur for Kachuk trade. I genuinely think this is the worst trade I've seen like the last five, six years. In the, as of now, it's been one of the worst. Because Gabe like, Velarde looks phenomenal. Really if good. you went Gabe Velarde for PLD one for one, you you lost that trade. They, yeah, they have. And then you gave up a second signed PLD to sixty four million. It's just it's bad upon bad. It's funny. Uh, I mean, and and now like obviously they they've got issues to solve. Yeah. If if trading for a goalie is one of their like things that they have to do, I mean this goalie market is not terribly strong. It's but bad. they're going to be like Edmonton wants a goalie, the Hurricanes want a goalie, the Devils need a goalie, and the Leafs, depending on how Joseph Wall plays and if Martin Jones can keep it up, they might be in the mix too. So that's like. Those are five teams who would probably consider themselves to be contenders yeah. who need at least a backup, if not a starter. So and the, the, it's going to be saturated. It's going to be a seller's market. You're going to get fleece for a Merzlikens or a Flurry or a who Jake both, Allen. Who both suck. Who are not like needle movers. No. So, I, I mean, they. Every, everyone said it coming into this season that the, the goaltending just wasn't good enough. We're seeing that now. And who knows what the trade market's going to see? Like this, this season's taken like a big, deep, like a dive in the worst way for this team. Yeah, is there any any goalie on the trade market right now that you think is better than Talbot? Over like can give you better numbers in him Oof. over a ten game stretch? I mean, I don't know. Mirzlikens is not even that good. It's bad. He, Fleury is Fleury can be good, but he's old now. So overrated. And I love Marc Andre yeah. Fleury, but he's overrated at this point in his career. Jake Allen's not great. No. And the only guy, maybe, and I'm not even a huge fan of him, is that if the Blues decide to sell, like a guy like Bennington, but he makes a ton of money. Streaky. Yeah, he's streaky. He makes a ton of money. Not guaranteed to give you anything consistent in terms of goaltending. Yeah, the, the, literally, no teams in the NHL that have won cups have bad goaltending other than the best team I've ever seen constructed in the Colorado Avalanche who had average goaltending. He wasn't even bad. It was just average. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know why GMs aren't constructing teams in different ways. Like this <laughs> Kings team is constructed poorly. Go out. When you're rebuilding, you need to start off with the two most important things, I think, are a number one center and a goalie. And most teams opt for the center first. I think the problem with goalies is that we've we've just seen over recent years that like goalies are so streaky and there's very few young goalies who you can say they're going to be good for years to come. Like Ottinger, Carter Hart are like two of the only ones I can think of recently. Like even look at Vegas. Vegas went out and got Aiden Hill on a flyer. Logan Thompson was playing at Brock. <laughs> and now they're both good. Nasty. I think, I think a large reason for that is because Vegas, who we're going to talk about next, they just play solid defensive hockey and they let their goalies do their job and not force them to make 10 crazy saves a game. Um, so either you need to have a really, really like good, good goalie, like a top 10 goalie in the league um, who's going to be consistent, or you need to have an average goalie with a really good defensive structure. I think those are like the two ways that you can you know, be competitive. And obviously right now the Kings aren't playing good defensive hockey and Cam Talbot's not a, he's not even an average goalie. It's bad. He's low, probably below average overall. And so when you marry those two, it's a disaster. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And there are a lot of teams in the NHL that are constructed like that, yes. that are very top-end heavy. It's just also true that there's just more good forwards than there are defensemen and goalies, yes, right? So it's for sure. But yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, Charlie Lindgren is out here putting up a 920. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you have goalies that come out of nowhere and just turn good. So I don't, I don't blame GMs for like for putting their money into guys they know they're going to get good output out of, like a defenseman and a forward who are more... You know, you can project a little easier, but when a when a bad goalie turns bad, it's pretty obvious, and then you look like an idiot. Yep. Um, but Vegas, I mean, honestly, like when I when we were when we were like setting up this episode, 
I put Vegas as like a struggling team, but I honestly didn't realize how battered up they were. And so honestly, for them to be 500 in their last 10, yeah, just hurt. it's actually pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're just like, hurt. They're missing their top two centers, their best defenseman, and their starter. Like This team has insane amounts of depth. And yeah, like they're, they're just trying to hold on to a division spot for when these guys come back. They can maybe recoup that first first spot in the in the Pacific. Which can catch them? I don't think it's out of the question. I really think the Pacific is going to end up Knights, Canucks, Oilers, Flames, Kings. That, that that's my thought. We have a crazy first round matchup though yep. between that. I think Canucks the Kings. And I think the Kings missed the playoffs, and I think the Flames do some damage. Wow. But if I was the Flames, I don't want to get on off on a tangent here. I am recognizing that this is the first time in like three years that this team has been remotely okay. Trade Kadri while he has some trade value, mm. so you free up. You know, you only have to retain twenty five percent of it. You can r- maybe restart this rebuild. Remember, we said at the beginning of the yeah. year those two contracts are going to kill them. Maybe you get out of one of them because this guy's playing like a demon, and he'd be a great like he's a great like goal scoring tough guy center that any contending team would love. And you know he was great in an Avalanche jersey. They That's might true. want him back. I mean, That's true. I think that would be a really ballsy move, but it might it might be the right one at the end of the day. Why not? Like for, for I think just from like Matt like your fans like optically like your team's finally seems to be turning a corner and then you're gonna be like nope let's sell everybody that we can sell well because it's so inevitable that he's gonna fall off yeah, like no, I, I love Kadri, but like come on he's not a career point per game player and i mean sharon govich is playing lights out hockey right now trade him too while you can like trade yeah. trade all of these contracts the, that you thought were gonna dagger you so you can truly restart a rebuild i think there's yeah i mean ideally i i, I, I don't know does Kadri have a no trade he might. He might. But if you say, hey, Kadri, X, Y, Z contenders want you, I mean, I'm sure he'll be willing to say, sure, let's go there. For sure. Like For if sure. Dallas comes knocking, I'm, I don't know if Dallas needs to send. I'm just saying. Like Colorado. He'll be like, yeah, sure. Colorado, sure. Boston, sure. Like, I would even, if I was Conroy, I'd give you, I'd give Kadri to Colorado or Dallas and I'd retain 25% of it for the next five years. I don't care. Just get this yeah. guy off my book so that I, and give me a couple first rounders so I can restart a rebuild. Even Huberto looks like he's, no, I mean, the trade for Huberto is out of the question, but he's actually playing well again, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So this the whole thing. Blake Coleman's just like a demon. Yeah, if you traded him, you could get big money for him right now. For sure. For Ooh, sure. And and he's mid. He's objectively a mid player, but right now he's playing incredible. Yeah. There's something actually to be said for for the Flames maybe blowing it up. That would be a shock to the system for their fans, I think, because they're finally good. But yeah. all of these guys are good at the perfect time. Like the trade deadline's right around the corner. Yeah. This team has no chance in a first round of winning against one of the Knights, the Canucks, or the Oilers. They just they just don't. I would even take the the Kings over the Flames, even though the Flames have been great and the Kings have sucked. It just seems like you're getting very lucky. Like clear mm-hmm. the house. Yeah, and if you traded Tanev and you traded Markson potentially a Hannafin, like you could. I mean, your team would suck, but you'd have like, I don't know, four firsts out of if you traded all those players somehow. Almost all of the guys you named to me, except for Tanev, probably fetch you a first round pick. Yeah, you could you could walk away at this trade deadline with five first round picks, maybe two seconds and a third, and with eighty percent of the contracts you thought was putting this team in a hole. Like, get on the phone, Conroy, and do something. Like, flip share and go. That would be interesting. I don't. I think NHL GMs are too risk averse or too cautious to do that but i think that would be like objectively one of the funnest things we've ever seen be great um okay let's talk about the others um actually we didn't really talk about vegas but there's really not much to say like i said like they're still good i didn't realize they were battered to bits they're gonna be good again um the oilers though are just um ridiculous 12 wins in a row they're third in the pacific they I feel like I need to take a victory lap here selfishly. Remember when we recorded in December, I was like, by January, they'll beat a division team. You remember that? Yes. 
I feel really good right now. Yeah, and, and you should feel good, but they're also not going to be a conference final team. I hope you know that. Really? No. Well. It's the same thing every I've year. S- we're going to maybe, maybe at the end of this episode, maybe next episode, give our like halfway predictions. You already know who I'm saying wins the cup. Oh my God. It's just. They're going to, they're going to ball out the deadline too. I'm just feeling it. I feel it. It's the team of destiny. You said it about the the Panthers, but. When, when Connor McDavid plays well and you get 900 goaltending, this team can win you a cup. Like so sup- 50. Yeah, I know. But I'm right saying, now. I'm saying when you get 900, you can yeah. win a cup. Stuart Skinner over his last 10 is nine and one with a 939 and a 169. Like That's crazy. It's, it's not hard to understand when you have the best player of all time quite possibly and a goalie giving you these numbers you are going to win hockey games like the the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs on crack like when they when you catch them on a heater this team can win you no, they're a unstoppable cup. but when they're bad they're really bad and it's just you saw the worst of the Oilers at the beginning of the season yeah. you're seeing the best of them now you just have to see how they play when it matters most because it yeah. depends yeah. on where you're catching them that's fair but in in their defense they've been like they they haven't just been ridiculously good offensively, which they obviously have, but they they lead the league in um ex- like expected goals percentage and in expected goals against. Like they have the best expected goals against in the league, mm-hmm. which says a lot for a team that started two nine and one. Like Hyman's on pace for fifty goals. McDavid, uh, sorry, Leon has eight goals in his last ten. Like this team, Bouchard and Ekholm are unbelievable. The best pairing in the NHL right now statistically. Like everything's going right for them. And they seem like they're playing a solid brand of hockey and not just that running gun that we're used to. Yeah, Evan Bouchard has been their MVP this year. When you looked at M- when you looked at Evan Bouchard last year, our biggest problems were the guy's phenomenal offensively, one of the worst defensive forwards in the NHL. I don't know what he did in the offseason. Well, Ekholm helps. but Ekholm, for sure, helps a lot. But statistically, he is one of the better defensive defensemen in the NHL this year. It's, it's kind of crazy to see. Like he's he's like 70th percent defensive metrics. He's 97th percentile yeah. offensively. Uh, statistically, one of the best zone exiters and zone en- enter enterers is not the right word. Entry but deniers is whatever. He he's one of the best at exiting a zone and denying entries oh, okay. as, as well. One of the best puck moving defensemen in the NHL. And you're right, Matthias Ekholm. But takes a lot of that responsibility still, away. Still, though, he's improved. When to you have, when you have a stud, stay-at-home guy in Ekholm playing with a guy that now you can say run and gun and play has the hardest shot in the NHL. It's he, I think he's been their MVP. He's been great. Yes, and he's been my MVP in fantasy. Yeah, because he has been saving my butt. But even like I mentioned, it, we talked about the Leafs. Like they just seem more. There's like a obviously because the way they started, there's a lot of urgency in their game. But mm-hmm. they're playing scrappy. Like mm-hmm. I've never seen the Oilers be a team that was scrappy besides Evander Kane. But now McDavid's scrappy. Hyman's always been scrappy. Drysdale's kind of a prick if he wants to be. Yeah. Bouchard's cross-checking guys. Ekholm is a bastard to play against. Like it's, they're you're, you're right. They're they're a team that can maybe beat you in multiple ways, which is not something I would have ever said about the Oilers. This team is. A big, stocky, scrappy team, like you yeah. said. Dreisaitl's like six three, two twenty. McDavid's six one. Like Matthias Ekholm is an animal. He's Evan Bouchard is six feet, and he plays. He plays kind of chippy, like you said. And you have guys like Evander Kane yeah. who are willing to like Hyman. get in the corners. Yeah, like this team. This team can play the brand of hockey that wins you a Stanley Cup, yeah, whereas the can. Leafs can't because they're 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 just not strong. Because their leaders aren't playing like that. Exactly. Like when you have a guy putting putting up 120 points and 50 goals and Leon Dreitsidel also going out and hammering people, like of course that's going to trickle down to the fourth liner. Yeah. You have like yeah, guys like Warren Fogel now play play mean because they feel like they they should like they have to live up to a standard now. Yeah, and and when you look at the Edmonton Oilers, they could not be 
more different than the Leafs in the sense that I genuinely think they're like a trade away at the trade deadline mm. from filling one big hole that can win them a cup. What's that hole? I think it's a number like like a stud number three or four defenseman. Mm. Really, yeah, because I agree. It'll really make me laugh if hmm. Holland. The guy who has been fired because he's perpetually tried to bring in forty-year-olds to pl- to fill holes that they cannot fill anymore, like circa Duncan Keith, mm-hmm. goes out and gets a Mark Andre Fleury who's been eight and nine in his last twenty-three games with an eight ninety-seven save percentage. Yeah. Because they're, they're, and I'm not just saying that. There's like a lot of rumors that they're going yeah. to go out and get him, and you cannot convince me that a fifty-year-old Mark Andre Fleury can give you a better brand of hockey than Stuart Skinner can over the over yeah. a twenty-game stretch. I, I, if they make that trade in their defense, I don't necessarily know if they're going to trade for a flurry or a Jake Allen to be their starter, but like just so you don't have to play Calvin Pickard in a pinch. I think that's what it would be, would be more of like a backup role. But I I think Flurry's name, because of his name, you'll have to overpay for him. Yeah. So I think going for like a more low key backup goalie is is the move. Like I think you can win a cup if Skinner Skinner doesn't need to put up a nine thirty nine or a nine fifty no. to win a cup. I think he's shown now that you can probably trust him to put up at least a 9.05 in the playoffs, which is enough to win a cup yes. on that team. Yeah, agreed. So I think, you know, if they want to pr- if they want to protect themselves against an injury or if Skinner needs to get pulled one game, like if you put Calvin Pickard in the playoffs, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so just get like, don't go out and get Jake Allen or Mark Andre Fleury. There's going to be other teams who are willing to part with their backup who are more low key. I, I agree. This team, I think, is like a Tanev or a Hannafin away from like genuinely winning a Stanley Cup. Because when you go Ekholm, Ekholm Bouchard, and then Hannafin, and who's their fourth defenseman now? It's, regardless, those three guys can play like 25 minutes a night. This team is offensively great. Yeah. It, just def- defensively, they have one guy that can just get, get you CC big numbers. Just get top four. Ex- exactly. And you play Hannafin, Ekholm, 25 nurse. minutes a night, and Nurse, nurse whatever. Yeah. Th- th- those are two... Lines with a phenomenal stay-at-home guy and a guy who's offensively great. This team can win you a cup as long as Skinner yeah. gives you a 900, which it looks like he can. You're right. He, can. Like, he had a bad start, but the whole team did. Like I don't think we can judge him on that on those 11 games anymore. Yeah, it's just it, the writing's on the wall that this team's going to hit the fan in the second round of the playoffs and lose four in a row to the Avalanche. Like The Avalanche are going to win the cup. Yeah, there's like a real chance they play Vegas in the first round. And Vegas in five. Which which would be like a Western Conference Finals in the first round, which is unfair to both teams, but that's what happens. We're just going to take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends, watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Yeah. Let's talk about a team now who's like we don't even we don't talk about them enough in fairness, but the Winnipeg Jets, um and I guess the Vancouver Canucks, they're both leading their divisions. They're both top what four or five in the NHL overall. Yep. I think one two, potentially. Um I mean we we could have like this could be the best crop of Canadian teams, assuming the Leafs kind of find something within themselves that we've seen in a long time. 
Yeah, and I've seen a lot on TikTok. I don't know why these two teams always get compared to each other, but there's been so much debate about like Vancouver Canucks versus um, Winnipeg Jets, oh, who's more equipped so to win a Stanley Cup. Well, I, what do you think? Um, I, I I just think because if you have to put all your monopoly money on one team, who are you doing? Yeah, I think just because of the star power that they have, I would lean the Canucks way. But I don't think that's a slight towards the Jets. I mean, this is a team that I was so wrong on. I had them fighting for a playoff spot. I tore a strip out of their GM when they when he signed those extensions. And, I, and I'll wear that because at the time, I think there was good reason to be skeptical. And I think there still is. But they've proven me wrong. I mean, Mark Shifley's having a great year. They have great depth, like Velarde, Niederreiter, Connor, Ehlers, Perfetti. Like They are quite stacked offensively. Again, no superstar, but those are all really, really solid players. And on the back end, Josh Morrissey is a sneaky top 10 defenseman in the league. Good. The rest of their defensemen are pretty good. And then you have Connor Hellebuck, who's a 9, nine what? I have it somewhere. He's a 9.25. Nasty. And is a shoo-in to win the Vesna potentially, unless he gets hurt. Yeah, no, no, I I, I agree. I think this, um, this comparison of like Canucks versus Jets wrongfully makes the Jets look like not a contender because they are. And I'll say that for the first time, they are a contender. But I, I think there's a pretty simple answer to this. I think the Canucks are clearly more equipped to win a Stanley yeah. Cup. It's just like, tell me one thing the Jets do better than the Vancouver Canucks. Like they maybe have a better third line, but who cares? That doesn't win you yeah. Stanley Cups. Offensive firepower. Are you taking Shifley and Connor or Pedersen Miller? I mean, I think we're Pedersen both... Miller. If you're defensive firepower, you're taking Hughes or Morrissey. Hughes. Probably Hughes. And again, I would take... All four of the guys you just told me, because they're all good enough to win a cup, but one team just is better than the other. Yeah. You look at offensive depth. Are you taking Niederreiter and Velarde, who are both good, or like Besser and Kuzmenko? That's probably the closest one. Yeah, I maybe marginally take the Jets there, but if you want to take firepower, ultimately, like Stars win you cups, even though there's like, you know, this like always this narrative that third and fourth lines do it. They play a big role, but Stars win you cups, and at the end of the day, for sure, the Canucks have the Stars on their team. Yeah. And they've been public saying they want they want a top six forward. If you go out and get another top six forward, two bumps like a Phil DiGiuseppe off your third <laughs> off your second line. Like quite frankly, he shouldn't be there. Yeah. I don't know who's out there. Like let's just in this fantasy world, if they go out and get a Jake Gensel or they go out and get a guy who's a bona fide top six player, like this team is going to take a next step for sure. And then like defensive depth too, like Zadarov and Hronik or Demello and Dylan. Like it's a pretty, yeah. it's pretty clear. And goaltending, they're equal. The Canucks will finish as a higher seed in their division. They'll have an easier road to the Cup. They're also more likely to get a deadline deal, like you said as well. It's just, yeah. it's really not close. Even though the Jets are still fantastic, yeah. I'm so high on the Vancouver Canucks this year. I really, I really think the Western Conference Final is Avalanche versus Canucks. I really It'll be a do. Great series. It'll be really good. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So I, I guess this kind of answers your question, but let me ask you anyway. Out of the like top four Canadian teams who have a reasonable shot of making the playoffs, so it's the Jets, it's the Canucks, it's the Oilers, and it's the Leafs. Who um who are you taking to like if you had to bet on one team to go farthest in, in the playoffs? I can even rank them really quick. Number four is the Toronto Maple Leafs, a hundred percent. I think anybody who watches hockey that isn't a delusional Leafs fan will tell you the Toronto Maple Leafs are for sure not a Stanley Cup team, but they are a playoff team. Number three, I'd probably go Winnipeg Jets. On paper, good enough to do it. Just the lack of like star power and the fact that this team is like one. I would say three game stretch from like imploding on each other like they did last year mm-hmm. would like put me that would have them at three. Number two, the Edmonton Oilers. Like the Edmonton Oilers would be number one for me because McDavid and Skinner are playing at the highest level. And like we just said, like Bouchard and Ekholm is the best defensive pairing in the NHL. But 
Um, we know when the Oilers are bad, they are very, very bad, um, like at the beginning of the season. And if the Oilers have a four or five game stretch in round one or two where they're that bad, they're not good enough to win. Number one has to be the Canucks. They haven't shown over like a four game stretch this year that they have been, um, that, they're, that they're capable of like going 0-4 and getting beaten bad in four straight games. What that tells me is like, when you add in their offensive, defensive firepower, the fact that Demko can win the Vesna this year, this team is just physically not capable of falling asleep for four games. Um, I, I don't think you're going to catch them at a bad time. And I I really think this team is going to be a... St- I don't think they're going to be a Stanley Cup team, but I think they're going to get to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. They, they haven't lost more than two in a row, to, to your point. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they they yeah, just they're don't just fall asleep. Like Which is rare for this team. Like I think that goes on to like talking about how much credit Tockett deserves. Like he has got to be at least nominated for for uh, for uh, Jack Adams. I think he'll win. Like him or him or Torts, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, like just the way he's just drilled this team to being consistent, to being gritty, to not taking nights off, and like you know, with a team like that good, people might think, I guess, from the outside, that's like, oh, it was only a matter of time before they got it together. But they've had to cycle through coaches, and no coach has been able to get this team to live up to their potential, yep. other than this guy. So he's clearly pushing the right buttons. I think he's like, he's a tough coach, but he's fair and he's kind of player oriented. And I think he's he's like probably the perfect coach for this era, where you're still tough on players, but in a fair and like respectful way that you find that that you get the best out of them. And yeah. I agree. I think the biggest thing for this team was to have them not turn on each other. And I think the guy that is a very much, I don't want to say responsible, but usually the impetus to it is JT Miller. Like when things yeah. go wrong, I think Talkin and Miller have a very good relationship. Yeah, he's like so the Miller whisperer. Like it, he was a Kessel whisperer in Pittsburgh, like similar it, thing. Exactly. Which I think is why this team is just meshing very, very well. Yeah. A team that is not meshing very well. And we've had like a pretty heavy Canadian focus this, this episode, just for whatever reason, because the Canadian teams have loved to make headlines this, this season. Yeah. Um, the sense they've got the opposite of a coach's bump. They're five and nine and zero since Jock <laughs> Martin got hired. Um, they had a five game losing streak in there somewhere recently. I mean, I just don't know what to say about this team anymore. Are they a playoff team still next year? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take the wheel here. There's I mean, say what's on your mind. My um, on my mind is that, I, you know, prior to DJ Smith getting fired, I was fully on the uh, endorsing the opinion that DJ Smith was the problem. He wasn't getting the most out of what is an objectively very talented roster. Mm-hmm. But now that you bring in a guy like Jacques Martin, who's like touching seventy years old, who has been known for playing defense first hockey and you know demanding a certain type of game out of his players. The fact that they're still playing extremely sloppy and losing a bunch of games, to me, tells me that the players are a lot more of the problem than I thought they were. Um, I mean, like their bottom 10 and expected goals percentage, they just seem when I've watched them or what I've heard, you know, reading others or listening to other people on the radio is that they just have zero attention to detail when it comes to defense. They're all guys who want to cheat and, you know, try and get a, you know, an odd man rush going the other way. Meanwhile, they're leaking goals. You know, Corpus Allo looks terrible because he plays in front of Swiss cheese in terms of, <laughs> of, a, of a defensive structure. Yeah. Um, I think when they built their defense, they wanted to take a Tampa Bay Lightning approach where you stack your left side. But, you know, granted, you know, um, what's his name? Shabbat, Sanderson, and Chikrin are all th- are three very good left-sided defensemen. They're not Hedman and McDonough when it comes to defense. Those are three offense only um defensemen 
And I know Jake Sanderson is okay defensively, but if he's your rock defensively, like he's young. That's a lot to rely on. I just think that they had like an idea in mind and they failed in their execution of it. Um, and ultimately, I think it's time that they make a big trade because this, clearly this group of players is not cutting it. Yeah, not, I don't know. Not wrong. Like, I mean, it's not. It's either you trade everybody or you trade no one, right? I mean, I think when you talk about whether they should do like a hardcore all of a sudden rebuild, Mm-mm. it's really tough to say because you have the pieces. I think this team yeah. was constructed and rebuilt well. The only thing is that I think the key to a successful rebuild is to get four or five very promising rookies and you really got to rely on one of them to break out as a superstar and the other four of them to become good solid players like when we look at really really positive rebuilds or successful ones you look at the Colorado Avalanche who in the Duchesne era like teams were wearing paper bags over their head mm-hmm. they go out and draft like a Makara McKinnon Arantan and you need one of those guys to become a superstar <laughs> they luckily they all did but even if McKinnon did and then Makara and Rantan are two like 80 point players or like 75 point players this team could still win a cup you look at the Leafs they go out and draft Mitch Willie and Austin and Riley one of those guys steps up to be a top five player in the NHL and the rest of them are quite solid who on career years can be top 10 players like the, the big key to a rebuild is one guy needs to be a superstar and so I don't think the way they constructed this team is poor because you go out you get Brady Kachuk fourth overall pick Stutzel a third overall pick you go out and get Chikorin who was a high pick as well Sanderson Shabbat like you you set you set the stage for like let's let one of these guys break out Stutzel looked like he was going to be that guy and I think the reason why this year was a complete failure is because he didn't take that step from like potential superstardom that like Petey had a few years ago to like bonafide stardom like Stutzel's having a very very bad year and I think you know the fact that he is not a superstar makes this rebuild an unfortunate failure when it was constructed in the right way yeah no that that's fair like no no one's emerged as like uh a bonafide top 15 top 10 player like for sure i agree with you there yeah i think there's also just something to be said for not playing defense like you're not gonna win games even if that's a isn't a hundred point player you you're still gonna be you know not in the playoffs if you can't keep pucks out of your net it's it's a bit of both i think you know your description of it's actually like it's a really good one it's like a really pointed one because sometimes you have to get lucky and they just haven't um but there's like every time i listen to the radio the insiders talk about the fact that they want to make big changes now. Would you make big changes in season and trade guys away towards the deadline? Or would you like just tough this season out, get a top five pick and then, or even trade that pick at the, at the draft and like sort of try and regroup and make your changes in the off season. The second one, like I said, yeah. this team is just, it's one emergent superstar away from a very quick retool. If Kachucker, Stutzel quickly become 110, 15 point players, you can quickly retool. Go get a guy at the deadline who plays phenomenal defensively. Draft a good goalie, and this team is competing for a playoff spot. I I don't think it's worth it to completely um, rebuild because, like I said, this is one of the more successful rebuild constructions I've seen. They've just been getting very unlucky, and the fact that they're in. The contention for like a lottery pick this year maybe isn't a bad thing for them. It's probably not, but it's it's embarrassing. It's funny, but you imagine Macklin Celebrini on this team. Like it's a, well, I mean, yeah, they they do have a chance to draft him, but it it, it does seem though that, that they're going to trade someone from their core or like a why, big guy. Though? I think they're just sick of it, and and I get it. Like 
you know, it's hard to develop players when they're just brought up in this culture of losing. Like, mm. Kachuk has been around for, I think, five or six years, five years now, maybe even more. It's been a while. Like, the team has been bad every single year. Since Suits has been drafted, they've been bad. Since Batherson's been there, they've been bad. New name a guy that's there, they've been bad since he's been there. <laughs> maybe there's something to be said about just trading one of them and having just a different look. And I'm not saying to, to lose on the trade just for the sake of trading him. But there could be a world in which you trade a good young player and you get other pieces back that can help you. Well, Stutzla and Kachuk are off the table, okay. so who's the guy? Honestly, I, I would say that the guy is Josh Norris. If he can find health and you know have a good trade value, I think he's the guy. Yeah, the issue is what team's willing to take a chance on his health. That's a fair question. I don't know, but I think just the way that they're set up with Shane Pinto coming back and Ridley Gregg having an okay season, mm-hmm. I think you can you can get away with having one of them as your second line center. Um, and you can get something back for Norris. If that's a better defenseman, whether that's a winger, whether, whether that's a goalie. Um, I think he, he has value on the trade market. If he can stay healthy, which is again, a huge question. I think the other guys to trade defenseman. you trade either Shabbat or you trade Ch- Chikrin. Chikrin's uh, the guy. Chikrin's the guy, which Chik- is so sad for him. I, it's sad, but like Chikrin for some reason has been un. Not unfairly, he's been. I think he's been wrongly touted as a stud stay-at-home defenseman because, like you said, he is really not great he's defensively. Not. He's not. His name value is huge. He's a big, strong defenseman that teams love trading for at the deadline. I'm sure the Oilers would probably wrongfully be all over that at the deadline. I think you're right. I think you trade Josh Norris and Chickering in two separate trades. Mm-hmm. You get some picks for Chickering, and for, you try to go like Norris one for one for like a stud good defenseman that like maybe hasn't panned out yet i don't know who that would be because like i agree this team is good enough offensively they just need like a stud stud defenseman um i'm trying to think of one they could go for one for one none of them comes like like for like for an example like a jamie drysdale or someone better than him like i'm talking like a six two like stay at home type defenseman Okay. Would you be comfortable doing Josh Norris plus for this defenseman they've been crying out for? For sure, because this team has plus, plus, plus depth on their team. They just need... You're right. They can't keep pucks out of their net. All three of their defensive... um, Their their top three defensive players are great offensively and are not great defensively. I think... Well, they're obviously going to need a coach. I think think Jacques Martin's a stopgap, so I think they're going to need a coach who prioritizes defense a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I I don't think this team... I don't think this team should be written off. Um... I don't know if I'm going to have them as a playoff team next year, but I think it's safe to say that changes are needed. And yeah, sometimes, you know, we've been begging the Leafs to make a trade from their core at times over the last seven years, and they've been a perennial playoff team. I can only imagine how frustrated Sens fans are and how right they would be to demand a trade from their core because this core hasn't even had regular season success, never mind playoff success. So I think it's time to just to shake it up, not for the sake of shaking it up, but to get somebody back who can actually help you. I don't know. I, I agree. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabo Town today or find them on Instagram at manabotown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. Speaking of Jamie Drysdale, like we we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so we're gonna like just talk about some news stories that maybe aren't the biggest anymore, but are still I think relevant enough to talk about. This whole Cutter Go- Cutter Gauthier, so funny Jamie Drysdale trade saga. 
I mean, I'll let you go first because I have opinions on this, but I, what did you think of it? There's not much that I have to say, to be honest. I'll defer it to you, but what I will say is the the John Tortorella comment about oh. Cutter Gauthier is honestly goaded. It's so, so funny. I don't know Cutter Gauthier from a hole in the wall. Just such a John Tortorella thing to say. And yeah. like, look, I, I am all for players advocating for themselves and trying to put them in the best position to succeed. I don't have a problem with Gauthier requesting a trade. I have a problem with the way that he did it. Yeah. And again, like I don't have all the information, but f- tell me if I'm wrong from what I know is that like during the world juniors, he wouldn't even meet with the team yeah. and he just told them like, trade me, I'm done. He wasn't willing to work through anything. And I think that's why he's getting a lot of slack. I think if he tried to work with them, showed he was amenable to change and it didn't work. Well then fine. You respect both sides and you move forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I you know. I, I agree completely. Like it's not the first time a, a highly touted young player has requested a trade i just think yeah it's the nature that he went about it and the fact that when he got drafted and even coming into camp was like i'm ready to be a flyer i want to be here and then within a year you've had you've done a complete like 180 and you won't even like meet with patrick sharp and john leclerc and those guys who who are like respected players like respected yeah. ex-players and executives yeah i think it just leaves a really bad taste in my mouth and like not in my mouth per se because i'm not a flyers representative but you know what i mean like it would take it, it, it would you know you got this 19 year old is disrespecting the heck out of your franchise and, and yeah. disrespecting guys who deserve respect. Um, and kind of weird too that he he makes this full 180 in the year that the Flyers are doing really well. Yeah, it's really strange. It really makes me think that that's kind of like a lie where he never really wanted to be a flyer. I'm for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, what are you going to say on draft? I don't want to be there. You have to put on a show of some sort. But some or? some guys do that. Like some guys do. I know Lindros did it, but like even who was the guy? Oh my gosh, the highly touted Russian prospect that the Flyers drafted. Oh, Mitchkov. Mitchkov didn't Mitchkov say yeah. tell teams he wasn't going there? Yeah. Like at least that's better than 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 all the while knowing that you're not going to play for this team and letting them draft you. Like I it, guess it just. Yeah, I got it. it's it's a weird precedent too, because now guys yeah. are just gonna be like, ah, I don't want to play for you. It's been happening for some time already. Like yeah. it happened with Adam Fox. Like it's been True. happening with. True. Oh my God, there's another guy who it happened. VC to. did it too. Yeah, Hyman Jimmy, did it. Jimmy VC. Who's the other guy you said? Hyman. Really? He did. He that? re-entered the draft. He got drafted by Florida, and then he re-entered to get picked by the Leafs. Oh well, I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah I mean, I I don't. It just it, it really makes like no sense that the Flyers have been a basement team and now they're finally playing well and he says I don't like the way yeah. this team is run. It's it weird. would make a little more sense if it was the opposite, but yeah, just it, it nothing about this looks good. Yeah, it, I think it just looks really bad on him. Like yeah. I wouldn't even obviously the talent is the talent, so you want to trade for the talent, but I don't know if I'd want that guy on my team. For sure. For sure. And a lot of, if you do it before the draft, a lot of people tend to forget. Like when you think of Adam Fox, the first thing you think think of is not, wouldn't play for any team from about New York. Sure, he has that reputation, but first thing you think of is he's a stud player. Yeah. I don't care how good Cutter Gauthier is going to be. The first thing you think of will be the guy that, you know, that did the Flyers dirty. Yeah, it's true. Just it's, do it before the draft. It's a, yeah, it's a really tough, like, reputation to set for yourself before you've even entered the league. Um, I mean, thankful. I guess maybe thankfully he's gonna go to a to a market in Anaheim where no one's gonna hear a peep about him unless they're Stanley Cup contenders, just because of the nature of that market. Um, yeah, I think it works out for both teams. Like, who do you yeah. think won the trade? I think just based on talent alone, I think Anaheim won that trade. Really? Like Drysdale was a fourth overall pick. Yeah, like he's he was. Not, he's not bad. He's not bad. Um, I think Gauthier is supposed to be really good. Um, they set themselves up with a pretty good young core there. I mean, like their centers on paper right now are Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegras, and Cutter Gauthier. Nasty, and is, they're all in the same window of development. Yeah, they're all they're all young and they're all good. Um, so as far as like 
you know, rebuilding from the center position. They've they've done that. One of those uh, guys gets traded and the other one gets converted to a winger. I don't know who it's going to be, yeah, but that's what's going to happen. I agree. Um, I mean, well, I, I think we know who's getting traded. Let's not bear the lead anymore. Um, Trevor Zegers is, you know, I, I I guess we can understand why he's, like, his name is out there. It's kind of weird to think because he's been touted as, you know, one of the most skilled young players in the league. I think at the end of the day, he's kind of just somebody who doesn't play defense, likes to cheat on offense, and he's the most overrated player yeah. in the NHL. Like okay. he had Pop a lot off. of he had a lot of um, clout coming out of the World Juniors because he was extremely flashy and skilled. He has a lot of clout now because again, he is very flashy and skilled. But seven points in twenty games on a team with thriving rookies. He's played four seasons, fifty three goals, ninety three assists in two hundred games. This just screams like a promising rookie who didn't break out and is now going to be like a good six forward. Like who wants to take a chance on that kind of a guy? Like yeah, I don't. I, I don't even know a trade market for him. Like who would you be comfortable trading for him if you were any other team? Probably not a ton. No, he's just not the type of player that you win with, which is kind of a, a harsh statement for someone who's so young and for someone who has a lot of talent. But we see teams all over the place trying to get away from these types of players who are players who want to cheat on offense and never play defense. And, um, you know, it's still early. He can be by the time he's 26, maybe he realizes like, shoot, I got to play more defense if I want to win cups. Maybe he finds a coach that he connects with better who can get that out of him. But as of right now, he's just not that type of player. And I think Anaheim want to build the team who's going to be skilled, but also committed to defense. And he just doesn't. He's not that type of player. in terms of teams that would trade for him, I've I've heard a lot of people begging Montreal to make that trade. Um, I guess partially because they're you know they they're missing some highly skilled players, and he's young. He fits in with their age group, but I feel like that market will tear him apart. No, I I completely agree. Like yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation, man. Um, I mean, let's. Do you want to do like a, a Trevor Zegers? Would you? Would you rather? Sure. I think I'll probably take most of the other guys over him, but we'll see. Okay. Well, we'll start um, with Cole Perfetti. Oh, I mean Cole Perfetti for sure. He's. I think he was a tenth overall draft pick. It looks like he's panning out on that team. He's. Looks like he's going to score twenty to twenty-five goals this year. A hundred percent Cole Perfetti. Okay. Um, Trevor Zegers, or maybe one of his future teammates, Nick Suzuki. This one's tough because like Nick Suzuki. Like also was one of these guys who had, was had a very promising future and hasn't really panned out. I, I just think he plays a better brand of hockey and he's not as streaky as Trevor Zegers is. Very marginally, we'll take Nick Suzuki, but that is marginal. I might okay. even take, I don't know, like marginally Suzuki. Okay. Trevor Zegers or Matt Boldy? Okay. I mean, this Matt Boldy is probably going to be the best guy on this list. He's going to be a future 30-goal scorer, Matt Boldy. Okay. Trevor Zegers or someone who's also been a little streaky this year, Lucas Raymond. That's the one I'll give. I'll probably say um, Trevor Zegers, and that just might be me being very salty about Lucas Raymond because he was my he was my breakout candidate this year. But when you're on a line with DeBrinket and Larkin, and you're putting up on pace like forty five to fifty points, that it's clearly a you problem. Mm-hmm. I would take Trevor Zegers. Okay. And lastly, Trevor Zegers or Quinton Byfield? Ooh, Quinton Byfield for sure. You know, he was drafted second overall, right? That tells me he clearly has the talent to be one of the better players in the NHL. He's finally taken a leap this year. And he's also just like 6'3", 220. Like he's a, he's a huge player, a guy that you want in the playoffs as well. And he's the, the brand of hockey and the, um, what's the word I'm looking The caliber of hockey he's playing now is better than Zegers has ever been. And when you add in those intangibles, it's, it's Quinton Byfield 10 out of 10 times. Okay. Fair enough. I, I'd probably agree with you on almost all of those. Yeah. Like, 
Zegers, like his stock has just dropped tremendously. I mean, zero. I mean, his stock in the hockey world has dropped. I think he's got a lot of cloud now because of you know <laughs> Dixie Demelio over there in this in the private box watching his games. It's kind of sick that he scored in Michigan when she was there, though. Like, yeah, to mean, be honest, all he does is score Michigans and that's and, true and go negative. Like he's just kind of one of the. He's like I'm trying to think of a player who's been like him before, where it's like. When you like really look at his numbers and the way he plays, he's not that good, but he makes headlines because he's has a personality and he's flashy. Like, I don't know if we've seen someone like that recently, but he's just not that good. No, really. I, I agree. Unless you're Leon Dreitsidel putting up 130 points, you can't you can't be bad defensively with no with no like yeah. criticism. I mean it's just it's not a sustainable brand. No, I don't think so. And yeah, it it doesn't seem like I, I would if I'm Montreal, I'm avoiding him. Yes. Because I know that that market is gonna, it's gonna turn him into like, oh, it's gonna, gonna chew him up. Yeah, they're gonna chew him up and spit him out. What's that guy's and name on Habs Fan TV? Ten games in, he doesn't score. Oh my god, what's out. his name? Oh Danik. my god, yeah. what was it? Danik. 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 Chew him up. He's gonna tear out. They love Michael Pozzetta because he works hard yeah. to punch his faces. Yeah. And Trevor Zegers dogs it on a, on a two on one and, and uh, through, through overtime. They're gonna tear a strip out of him. Yeah, I mean, that 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 market is not the place for a Trevor Zegers type guy. Do we have time to finish this episode with some halfway predictions or do we want to save those for next episode? I mean, it's up to you. We've been going for an hour and a half. These predictions will probably be another half an hour. I'm okay. Half an hour? We have five. We have four things each. And each of them are five minutes. Okay. We, we can, I'm down for either. You you take the pick. And if not, we'll, we'll give a little spoiler for next episode. I don't know. Okay. Um, why don't we do... Nah, it doesn't even matter because I think we both know who we're going to say for cup. It's not changed, actually. The cup won't change, but yeah. Okay, I mean, let's just save it for next one. We'll give a little bit of a teaser if you've made it this far. I think we um, I think we both gave away our cup winners already yeah, we throughout did, this throughout thing. the episode. Yeah. We have. Um, maybe we'll save it for like trade deadline because uh, honestly, I think most of our answers wouldn't have changed. I don't. Yeah, I think only my heart would have changed. Spoiler, right. it's Nate McKinnon. Yeah, it's going to be Nate McKinnon too unless Matthew scores 70, yeah. then it'll be Matthews. Okay. But we can, we can elaborate on it. I wonder how many people listen to the end here. And if you do, thank you. Thank and you. you'll get our explanation next episode. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll save it for a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, so on that note, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks. And until then, um, go Chiefs and go Texans go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make us lots of money. Yes, hopefully. sir. We'll see you all, all right. next see you in a few weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.